0: Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our CPR series looks at certain topics that come up in life, and we attempt to discuss them in a way that relates to everyone. At times, we bring in the arguments of those opposed to the Word of God in order to practice contending for the faith that God gave His Church. It is our prayer that you will be equipped to give a defense for the truths of the Christian faith with humility and respect.
1: Welcome back to the Burden Blessing Podcast. My name is Pastor Neil Radical. Joining me today is Pastor Mark Tiefel. We are continuing with our questions, Skeptics Ask series. Today we're looking at an important question that I think a lot of people do ask, especially in these days of pandemics and different sicknesses and illnesses and all kinds of different cancers. There's a lot of suffering that's going on in the world. With that suffering, we comes a lot of different questions of God. And so one of these questions we're going to look at today is, in contrast to someone who has passed away, and so the question is, Mark, when someone says to you, he was such a good man, why would God let him suffer like that? My first question for you is, where is that question coming from when someone says that? Is there a couple of different possibilities? What are your thoughts when you hear something like that?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thought of where the question comes from. I think there are several different areas where that question could be coming from. It could be coming from grief, having lost somebody or having seen somebody suffer in a tremendous way. It could be coming from anger, um, not understanding or being frustrated with God's plan. I think it could also come just from sort of the The natural doubt and inquisitiveness of the Christian who's working through his or her faith, too. There's going to be difficult questions that arise when we're exercising that faith like a muscle, and there's going to be strain on that at times. And this question certainly represents one of those tougher thoughts that comes to mind when we think about a loving God interacting with a sinful fallen world and the effects of that.
1: Yeah, I like that you mentioned all three of those areas because I think that there's the that there's the thought of the person that's kind of antagonizing God versus a person just questioning God's will. And I think those are two different places to be in whether it be a, a believer or an unbeliever. I think you summarized that really well. Ultimately, if you're discussing this with someone, where do you typically
0: direct them to? I think there's a lot of areas of scripture that can help with this. You know, the first we look at that first thought there, he was such a good man. And then the question coming in, why would God let him suffer like that? I think we have to define what we mean by a good man or a good person. There's the way the world defines that, where it's generally good. They were pretty, pretty good. They were overall, you know, nice or kind to other people. But then there's also God's definition of what goodness or righteousness is. And we have to be honest that from the Bible's perspective uh, and uh, from God's perspective in the Bible, uh, no one can be considered good on the same level as God, good in the sense of being completely holy or completely righteous. Now, that's not a statement meant to minimize the struggle people have when they go through difficulties or when we see suffering in the world, but it's if we want to find a, a, an answer that's going to bring us help, it has to be based on truth. And the truth is we can't assume that we deserve anything before God. And the Bible is very clear about that. The wages of sin is, are, is death. Um, the, the knowledge of sin, the, the knowledge of the, the sin is, is death. Uh, that we uh, are, are born in sin and iniquity from the moment of our conception That in our flesh, there is nothing good that dwells. Those are all realities that are are true. And so we have to understand that within the framework of what we mean by being good people and and the judgments we make based on that.
1: I think if I would have had a loved one who just died, I'd probably have interrupted you about 30 to 60 seconds ago, because it sounds like you're attacking the person. I mean, how, how dare you say something like that about my grandfather not being a good person? You know, so isn't that going to be the natural reaction of people if you're trying to point out to them that, Hey, you know, your loved one isn't good. No one is good. That why, how dare you say that? I mean, did all kinds of things for our family. You know, he, he loved everybody, everybody liked him, you know, but he went through such suffering. You know, how do you respond when someone reacts that way to your point? Again, a little bit playing the antagonist there. Sorry.
0: No, I get it. Cause that's gonna, that's a very natural reaction. I think that's why, uh, as I pointed out, we have to be clear that we're, if, we're, if we're looking for an answer to this question that is healthy for our lives, that is good for our lives, it has to be based on truth. And so the, the idea is not to put the person down. We're all in the same boat. No matter who we're talking to, we all have that same problem. So it's not about anybody's individual relative or loved one. It's something we all suffer with, but we have to be honest with ourselves of what it means to be good in God's eyes, to be righteous in his sight. And that's a problem that we have. And that, that is the answer of why we have suffering in the world is because sin first came into the world and distorted what God originally designed. So that's only part of the answer to this question. But it's, it's the place that we have to start, because if we're assuming that we deserve something from God because we've been good in our lives— we're immediately off the track. And we're not going to to find an answer that is good for our lives or that is proper in God's sight. So we we have to understand where that suffering comes from. And it comes from the reality of sin in the world. And that's something that touches all of our lives and affects us in a way that only God can clean up and and change.
1: This is such a timely question. You know, and I think as we discussed this, this is something you'll relate to. I just met with someone recently about this. They were, they're a nurse in a, and they see all kinds of abuse with uh, young people. They see all kinds of death and suffering. Like we talked about long standing. you know, there's people coding all the time in front of them and they're watching families suffer this way. And all of that has calloused them to the idea that God would be a loving God. How could, how could, God allow these people these good people these good families to go through such horrifying horrible things if God was really good kind of playing on what you said before if God's defining what goodness is then he's not even got a good definition for himself it was a difficult conversation to have and I know that your wife is also a nurse so she faces these things every day why the two different perspectives from two different
0: nurses I think it's it you know, it's a tough question to answer, uh, not having spoken to that person and seen what their experiences are. But you know, each of our lives are within a context of of the events that happen around us and the sense that we make of those things based on our belief and our worldview. And so, we're all we're all subjected to evil. We're all subjected to suffering because of our certain vocations or or individual callings. Maybe more some more than others. You know, as pastors, we see. Certain types of things about human behavior and action that other people don't see, but there are other callings that would see other sides of that. So depending on each of our contexts, I think certainly the more you're subjected to that, the more difficulty there is in trying to find an answer that reconciles with your faith and what God promises through the Bible. Um, But that doesn't mean that just because a person is subjected to some to more evil or suffering or wickedness, that automatically there's going, there's going to be more of an inclination to doubt God. I think you have to, each person has to be honest and real about how am I reacting to what God's putting in my life as well. It's easy for us to, you know, look for a a scapegoat in some ways to blame God for things that are happening in the world without necessarily taking personal responsibility for the choices we make, but also taking responsibility for a society as a whole and the choices that our world is making there, there are certainly consequences that come along with that. And it's interesting that you bring in the medical realm, because I think that the way we react to God with this is similar to how we would react in a medical setting. You know, if I go into the doctor's office and I'm extremely overweight and I've got heart problems and I've got problems on my joints and, and things like that because of the the lifestyle choices I've made, the, the doctor is going to tell me, you need to change some things. You're, you're not living in a healthy way. So my reaction to that could be, well, you're just being unloving. You're, you're, you don't understand. I, I'm a good person. I, I, you know This isn't my fault that these things have happened to me. I couldn't control this. Or I can look at the equation and say, well, what, what personal accountability do I have? And should I listen and take that hard criticism? Because it could help me later on. And I think spiritually, there's an element of that, too, where obviously Jesus calls us, calls himself the great physician in the scriptures where he heals our souls through the gospel message. But part of that healing comes first with the diagnosis of the the corruption, the rottenness, the decay of sin that we have contributed to as well. Uh, So again, what is a person's response to that? You can take that information in, in vastly different ways, but I think each time we encounter suffering or evil or wickedness in the world, it's a reminder of that sin. And then there's an opportunity there for us to go in two different directions with our reaction. And I think that's what we see, sadly, uh, at times is, is people react in the, in the way that God would not want them to react in. Uh, and, and that's certainly not going to bring a path of healing for their souls either.
1: I'm wondering how let's do something here I throw your curveball a little bit but what if someone says this to us and we flip this question totally on its head in the sense of if the question is he was such a good man why would god let him suffer like that another way of approaching that would be would it be better would it be good if god would have taken that man quickly like instantly like aneurysm or quick car accident how would that change the question for the individual?
0: I don't know if it would change the question for the individual, because I think it depends on the intent behind the question. I, I, I can think of scenarios where God did take people quickly and people complained about that against God, too. So, I, you know, obviously, from a Christian perspective, we see God taking a person quickly, a Christian, as a blessing that he's taken them out of this sinful world. But again, I don't know if it always registers that way in the human experience as we go through those things. So I, I don't know if it would have necessarily changed the thought of the question. What is, what's your thought on that?
1: Well, I think you, you talked about the pastoral perspective at times, and I wonder if you would agree with me on this. There's times where, like you said, a loved one didn't have to suffer because God took them quickly. You know, much difficult, much more difficult to understand when they're younger. But when they're older, I think a lot of people rejoice when their 90-year-old grandparent or great-grandparent dies peacefully in their sleep. And a lot of times they say, "Well, they didn't have to suffer." Well, that's a good divine perspective there. Instead of like you said, someone could be upset with God, like, "Well, why do they have to take their loved one now?" That could still happen when someone's elderly, but doesn't doesn't happen as much as when they're younger and haven't lived their full life yet. So. Typically, I, tip, I like to think of the, the family situation as if the Lord takes the person quickly, that's gonna be a blessing for the person who goes quickly. I think you and I've said before, I think we both like to go quickly and not have to suffer through a big ordeal. But if we have to suffer, the Lord also gives us opportunity to glorify him through that suffering. We're showing where our faith Resides showing the family, helping the family prepare. Really, it's about preparation. Can the family prepare for the individual to be taken or not? If they're not able to be prepared and the the loved one goes quickly, then you're going to have different reactions to that, like you said. But if the Lord allows that person to go through suffering, it has a way of allowing that person who's suffering, preparing for the Lord to call them home. It allows the family to prepare for the Lord to call them home too. So, in either sense, I believe we can rejoice either for the person who didn't have to suffer or the family and the person who goes through the suffering and the Lord drawing them closer to, to bring them closer to the Lord in that sense. And um, That's why I mentioned earlier that uh, maybe a good verse to think about is Isaiah 55, where the Lord talks about my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I think his indication behind that is that we're not always going to know the, the reasons why the Lord takes someone from our life look at the life of Job, but he always has reasons and purposes for that. And if we take ourselves out of the emotional frame of mind that we're always going to be in when we lose a loved one and try to look at God's bigger picture, we're going to see the blessings for our loved one who went quickly, even though that's hard on us. And we're going to see the blessings of the one who had to suffer to grow that family closer together and more importantly, grow them closer to the Lord and that suffering. Maybe that's a little bit longer of an answer than you were looking for. I'm sorry.
0: No, I think that's, that, well, that's getting us to the second half of that question. The first half being, if he was a good man, we talked about that principle alone, but then the second half being, why would God let him suffer like that? I think that's where you have to get in. You have to answer that second half to really fully understand what we're getting to in the first half. When we're talking about sin, ultimately what we're trying to get to is that God is the only one who can help us with that and that and that it's a blessing, as you mentioned, to be able to put that situation in God's hands and in God's control part of the reason why we struggle with these kind of scenarios where there's a lot of suffering going on is because we want to do something about it right we want to we want to help the person out and that's that's absolutely good but you have to be honest that there are things in life that go beyond our control too and if we're talking about matters of life and death matters of great suffering, though, those situations are beyond our control. But what a blessing we have to be able to put that in God's hands. Like as you, as you read from Isaiah 55, the one whose thoughts and ways are higher than our own. I think of Romans 11, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. I mean if you, th- you think about how infinite God's love and wisdom is it's it goes far beyond what we can understand about it there's a joy blessing and peace in being able to submit those situations to his control but that's where we get to that first half again that we've talked about if we feel like God should do something and act based on who we are and what we've done we're not going to focus on what he has done for us it's going to be about our lives and that's why that message of sin is something we need to remember as we think about the whole picture of God's righteousness as well in Christ. So it's, 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 it's kind of taking both of those polar ends of the question and combining them to get a full explanation that really fits with what God has given us and what God has done for us.
1: I really liked the way you said that. And I, I liked how you emphasized what are we focusing on? Are we focusing in specifically just on our loss? Are we focusing in on what has been gained from the Lord? Whether it be faith for those who remain or deliverance for the one who has taken, you know, what what is lost versus what, what is gained? And I love that idea. There's a Christian Telugu poet who says, Count your blessings instead of your crosses, count your gains instead of your losses. And it goes on. But what I really got from what you said there is how can we look at the two parts of this question and point out what are the blessings what are the benefits that the lord is doing through these moments of suffering whether it be emotionally or physically the lord has a way of drawing the christian or christians to himself to find comfort to find his promises just like you said which leads me to a, a, one more point that i think is important for us to make here today and you can you can inter- interrupt anytime if you have other comments too but now we're not the ones going through the suffering. And part of this whole exercise is how would we respond to someone saying these kinds of things to us? What is a good way of comforting the individual with perspective in this life? How do you continue to encourage a, a godly perspective when the temptations, as we said this whole podcast, is about struggling with the earthly emotional accusations or frustrations or questions against God.
0: Yeah. Excellent thought. Cause that's ultimately what we want to get to. I would, you know, I just read from Romans 11. I turned back three chapters, Romans eight, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Whenever we talk about human suffering, And however we qualify the justices or injustices involved in that, as the Christian perspective brings us back to the foot of the cross. As you contemplate suffering, and Christians suffer, it's real, we're not trying to minimize it, we come back to what our Savior went through for us. If we want to speculate or, or give an answer to how much God cares for us, you see it, through Jesus on the cross, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, who, by the way, didn't deserve it, rebelled against him, went, walked in the wrong direction. How will he not also freely give us all things through Christ? So God knows we are in his hands. He's our heavenly father. He's our good shepherd. He takes care of us. Uh, and as Romans goes on to say, we're pers- we, we are convinced then that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, because he did not spare his own son because of what Jesus went through and suffered for us. So there, again, we don't get there though, Neil, unless we have that perspective by faith, the perspective that brings us back to the foot of the cross. It starts with a message of sin reminds us that, you know, the world might call us good people, but we're not in God's eyes as much as we need to be. Well, so we have a need then. And that need is met in Christ Jesus. And, and that's really the best, in my, in my opinion, the best answer to that question.
1: I love that answer, Mark. And I think one of my favorite things about this, in my opinion, this is apologetics, giving an answer for the reason for we have the hope we have in us. You brought right back to the hope because you took this question. He was such a good man. Why would God let him suffer like that? Despite the place that they're coming from doubting or questioning God, accusing God, whether it's anger or grief, like you mentioned earlier, you basically boil that question down to asking the question for everyone, how much does God care? I think you would said that so well, because ultimately you're pointing them back to the cross. Here's how much God cares. He doesn't want us to suffer in the sinful world forever. And so he's going to deliver us from the sinful world and convince us that he's already done that by his payment on the cross and resurrection from the dead. So I love that you brought in Romans 8. I love that you brought in Romans 11 because it basically points back to the depths of God's love, the depths of his wisdom, the depths of his Passion for us and that he's always present with us no matter what we're going through. I like as we go back through all the things that we discussed today, you know, what have, what have we lost compared to what we've gained through Christ? You know, how his thoughts are so much higher than our own. You know, when we, when we talk about these questions, I really think when people make these statements, it's very important for us to try to really understand where they're coming from and really put it in perspective like you just did. Does God really care? And that really Answers so many of the questions that skeptics ask. So I feel like as we keep going through these series, the questions that people are giving out of doubt or accusation are really coming down to why doesn't God seem to care about me? And always, if we go back to the cross, you go back to the gospel, like you did, we're going to see that God absolutely cares. And that's why he offered up his son, just like you mentioned. So I like the fact that we started with the idea of focusing on that first half what does a good man actually mean? That brings us back to the cross because none of us are good. What does the second half look at? Why would God allow suffering? God's got a bigger plan. And we see that obviously through his life, death and resurrection and offering of his son Jesus in our place. And ultimately, no matter where the person's coming from with that grief or loss, that anger at God, it comes back to that Christian faith being tested and that maybe unbeliever questioning the reality of, is God's? does God's promises of the Bible really lead us in the direction of hope or desperation? And ultimately what we see from the verses that you brought up and that we talked about today, we're always left with hope, not like a fleeting hope, a confident hope. And I think that's what I've really gained from this discussion today. So I, I thank you for this opportunity to discuss these very difficult questions. I think we all can ask or have raised in our hearts. And this has been beneficial for me. Any closing thoughts or comments?
0: Yeah, as you were talking there, I just had thought of an object lesson in in scripture about this. And maybe this helps kind of condense what we're trying to say. Look at the Apostle Peter. We're talking here about the power of a perspective shaped by faith. Peter throughout his whole life in the Gospels with Jesus was constantly turning into himself to trust and was constantly worried about losing Jesus. All the way up to the end that he even told Jesus that he couldn't go to the cross. But it wasn't until Jesus actually left, died, rose, and ascended that Peter became the apostle that we remember him for, the apostle that stood boldly on the cross, that didn't worry about what was going to happen to him, that actually, in terms of our question today, was willing to suffer for the name of Christ, even to the point of being martyred for his faith. So I think that's the thought that we come away with when we look at these difficult questions The perspective that we have by faith in Jesus, which points to his cross, is extremely powerful in giving us answers, but also in giving us peace and hope, as you've mentioned. And Peter is just one example in scripture of many of individuals that walk that same path that thought this is the only way it has to be. It has to be this way or I can't have peace and hope, but realized through God's power, through God's work and will, the, the perspective was entirely different. And, and almost in that sense became a different person as far as confidence, peace, and hope than he was before. And so, again, we're not in these in these kind of questions, no matter what we're looking at from the skeptic's perspective. And certainly when it comes to personal grief and suffering of loved ones or, or directly in, in one's life, we're not trying to minimize the struggle. We, we go through the same things. We know how real it is. But what we're doing is showing the abundant hope and peace that we have through the gospel of christ and how completely different that is from anything else in the world and that is the perspective by faith
1: well said it's okay with you there's so many good sections that i think would help us summarize everything we talked about i'd like to close by reading from romans 5 verses 1 through 5 that speaks about this hope in the midst of tribulation and suffering and so it says here Therefore, having been justified by faith, that means declared not guilty, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. I just really like this section because it shows that no matter what tribulations, no matter what sufferings we, or our family, goes through, the Lord has a way of drawing us back to the hope that we can rejoice in, and that hope that has been given to us by God it never disappoints, because we know the promises of eternal life in heaven. Thank you, Mark, for your time today. Thank you for any of you who have listened in today. If you ever have any comments or questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Check us out more on blessing.org. And if you have any more comments, do share them there. Until next time, please continue to rejoice in the hope that you have in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have a great day.
0: We hope that you will join us next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast. Our goal is always to bring you the whole counsel of God. Until next time, go in the strength of the Lord and preach the word.